Hello and welcome to the Bearded Mystic Podcast and I'm your host Rahul N. Singh. Thank you for taking out the time today to join and listen or watch this podcast episode. If you would like to support the Bearded Mystic Podcast and keep it ad-free, you can sign up to my Patreon page and I will leave the details in the show notes and video description below. Now we shall begin with my thoughts on the Bhagavad Gita. Starting off with verse 21. The true self is indestructible, timeless, and is neither born nor dies. So then tell me, Arjun, how is that Purusha going to be slain, and who is able to kill them? So this is really a summary of what's already been established in verses 16 to 20, Please do take a look at the previous episode. It was one hour long and we went into each and every verse in great depth. Do revisit that if you want to understand more about what's going to happen now. But Krishna wants to make sure that the receptive Arjun grasps the understanding that's required. Because the one thing that we definitely need in spirituality is repetitive education, repetitive knowledge. Without this type of repetition, we're not able to advance further or we're not able to fully understand something. For example, when you read something, are you just reading to understand it or are you reading just to get to the next page? Same here, are you reading the verse to get to the next verse or are you taking your time to understand the message and understand the theory? This true self the Atma or Brahman that we often refer to here as the ultimate reality, that is indestructible, that is timeless, and that neither is born and neither does it die. Just a reminder that I'll be using Atma and Brahman interchangeably. If you ever hear me say Atma, I'm talking about Brahman. If after hearing this message, we still believe that we are bounded by time, or we can be destroyed, or that we have taken birth or will one day die, we still believe we are this body and mind. That's how simple the understanding is. That if right now, despite Sri Krishna really going into the spiritual wisdom about how we are eternal, how the Dehi, the inner dweller, is eternal, and that the Deha, the body, is nothing but subject to modification subject to birth and death if we still haven't accepted this then what is left to understand we need to start understanding this when we start believing that we're the body and mind then we always are going to be attracted and also harmed by its associations for example if we believe we're this body and mind if there's an ache in the body we're constantly going to feel that ache if we believe we are the mind, we're constantly going to be worried about things, anxious about things, and even our happiness is fleeting. We have to understand that this message is about understanding that it is only the body and the mind that comes into existence and then departs from existence, but it is this Brahman, the inner dweller, that is continuously here. It is the Sat, remember? The ultimate reality that does not change. This always exists. This being 
unborn and undying, it is eternal. Therefore, it is the only thing that is true. We obviously still believe in the finite aspect of our existence. So then can we claim to be knowers of the truth? Can we claim to know the true self? Can we claim to know the Atma? Can we claim to know Brahman? Can we claim to know what we perceive to be God? Can we say that we are true knowers of this? I don't think we can if we still believe with this body and mind. And this is what Sri Krishna is telling Arjun that, tell me, how is that Purusha going to be slain? How is that inner dweller going to be slain? Then we have a question that's raised by Sri Krishna, that if the Atma is indestructible and timeless, then how is that very being going to be slain and who is able to kill them? Well, who can kill the elders, the mentors, the gurus that are in front of him, his brothers that are in front of him. Who who can kill them if this Purusha doesn't die? Sri Krishna goes on to say that basically how can one try to destroy something that is indestructible and timeless? Very clear here by Sri Krishna. He's just re-emphasizing the point and trying to get Arjun to get out of his moment of sorrow and delusion. Also to note here that Adi Shankaraji mentions that the act of killing has been cited as an example. The larger context to be understood is that it is in regards to all forms of action itself. Even though in the context of this is talking about killing and being slain, but the real purpose is to understand that action, that we are not the doers of action. The larger question is, does a person of realization commit any action? That's what we want to understand. And Adi Shankaraji further states that once a person is realized, they no longer need to perform ritualistic actions because they become free from it. He specifically says they no longer identify as a doer anymore. So who will reap the benefits of such activities and who will reap the detriment of such activities? Who is the person that's going to gain anything? If you believe that you are the Dehi, the inner dweller, how is that going to benefit from the ritualistic actions you do? How is that going to benefit from the deeds that you do? How is that going to be affected or at the detriment of deeds that cause harm to others? The Dehi, the inner dweller, is not affected. What is affected is the transactional reality, that type of reality you do have to face. Sri Krishna is saying that the body and the mind is the one that does things. It's not necessarily the Dehi, the inner dweller, your true self. So therefore do not believe that the Atma is going to be subjected to the deeds that you do. It will remain unaffected. Its only purpose is that you should realize it. That's the only purpose of the Atma. If anyone still believes that they are the doer of action and they are duties to be performed, as mentioned in verse 19, they are not enlightened beings. They are still deluded. They are still under the false understanding of what the true self is. Actually, they haven't realized the self very simply. They haven't realized this Brahman. This Brahman, that is their reality. It is who they are. No one can deny this, is what Sri Krishna is trying to point out to. If we still see people who say, 
I have to do this action. I have to do this ritual because I need to gain this. They are still deluded. They still do not understand that it is understanding this Brahman, which is more important, which should be the task one should always go towards. Adi Shankaraji makes it clear that an enlightened being who fully understands that they are this imperishable Atma, this imperishable Brahman, if they understand this and they are the seeker of liberation, they are qualified for renunciation of all rights and duties according to the Vedas. What's interesting is that if one has realized Brahman and one is now liberated, how are they going to do the rites and rituals that are needed to be done before? Before the rites and rituals were done, so you could gain punya, actions which reaped benefits that advanced you spiritually. Now, once you know everything, once you know that one, and that you are this one, how are you going to perform those rites and rituals? Because you know that it is only the body and the mind that is committing to those rituals. It's the senses. The mouth is chanting the mantras. The hands is moving the tali. The mind is remembering the mantras. It's all thought. Therefore, there's no need for a liberated being to do those things. They can renounce those. And in fact, it may even appear that they still conduct those rites and rituals. They may still conduct hovens, they may still conduct bujas and worship, but they understand what they are worshipping. That's the difference also. So when they renounce, it's not about being perfect in your rites and rituals. They know that the real purpose of this is that they are worshipping really themselves. <laughs> That's what it is. They are the self, they are not affected. Brahman is not affected by our rites and rituals. Brahman is changeless. If Brahman changed its opinion, then it cannot be Brahman. Then it's subject to change. Therefore, Brahman would be a Sat. But because Brahman is Sat, it is not influenced by our worldly actions. We have to grasp this understanding. I know I'm repeating some things, but it really is difficult to understand and comprehend. I myself have had to go through so much work to understand this. And right now, while I'm going through the Bhagavad Gita, I'm learning so many new things. I'm getting new insights that I never got before. Because when we spend time on something, when we don't do things for leisure or to get ourselves away from being bored, then it requires us to focus. And with focus comes great understanding especially when it comes to spirituality. Like Arjun, we have to make sure we understand this wisdom, as it is said in the Upanishads, that it is to be realized through the mind alone. The mind is purified by the knowledge of Brahman in the scriptures and the master. With self-restraint of one's senses, one can be ready to realize Brahman. So everything does come through the mind. It is a mind that begins to understand that it is Brahman. This is what Adi Shankaraji is saying, that one cannot think that one can escape the mind. No, the mind is required. Without the mind, we do not come across thought. Without thought, we cannot come across insight. Without insight, we cannot know Brahman. It is that insight created by thought, caused by thought, 
that we get to know Brahman, that we get to know the formless. This is an important thing to know. Yes, you use the mind, but you then have to drop the mind. Because at the end, when you understand everything, when you understand that you're Brahman, then you can just allow the mind to function as it needs to function. There's no need to feel obligated to do anything. There's no obligation. One does need to restrain one's senses. And this is very important and I will continue on why. If one is still hankering for desires, hankering for food, smells food, and then loses all sensibilities and all restraint, then they are simply too full to think of Brahman. If one is attracted by the smell of nice food, sometimes if I smell a dessert being made, a cake being made, and I lose all of my senses because the mind acknowledges that now this body is going to eat this food. The body starts feeling great. I see the food. I'm going to eat that food. If we're too full, how are we going to be spending time with Brahman? We'll be thinking about drinking some peptac or anything that can get rid of acid reflux or gas that's been built up because of overeating. Because our desires haven't stopped. Our hunger for food has not stopped. We've not been able to restrain ourselves and say, you know what, I need to control my body. I need to control what I eat. Because if I'm unhealthy, then I cannot sit and think about Brahman. One has to always keep one's body fit and healthy. We have to keep our body and our senses in restraint. It's very important that we do that. It's a practice. It's not going to happen overnight. It doesn't mean that you don't eat food. You eat just enough so your body can continue. Yes, sometimes we eat the food that we enjoy eating. Eat them. But don't get carried away with the enjoyment. Don't get to the point where you start dreaming about that food tomorrow. Oh, that food yesterday was so great. I can't wait to have it again. Guess what's happened? The mind has wandered away. The mind is now completely at the helm of the body and the senses. Therefore, the saints and the sages of the past and of the present guide us to really focus on restraining our senses. And by doing that, we're able to focus more time on realizing Brahman. Sometimes we say, God wanted this to happen. God wanted... No. Those are wrong beliefs. They may help in the beginning, but eventually you have to discard those beliefs because they don't mean anything. Brahman does not do anything. If Brahman did, then it wouldn't be changeless. That means Brahman changes. If you pray to God and you pray to Brahman and you say, Brahman, get rid of my problems and Brahman gets rid of your problems, then that means Brahman is subject to change by what you are wishing. But really, Brahman within us does not wish upon anything. We have to always discern that the body and mind is wishing something, not Brahman. When I'm praying to Brahman to get something, I'm actually just praying to myself. And it's my body and mind that's going to create the action, not Brahman. Adi Shankaraji gets even more direct. Only someone who believes they are different to himself will go and say, do this act. Go and kill someone. They believe there is a difference. But here, Krishna is not physically talking to Krishna. 
or to Arjun. It is the same Atma. The same Purusha. Although seemingly one is speaking and the other is listening. Krishna and Arjun in Krishna's understanding are one and the same. It is the same Brahman. Arjun doesn't know this, but Krishna knows. It's the same Atma. The same Atma that spoke in Krishna back then is the same Atma within me, within you, that is either speaking or listening to this. It's not changed. The Atma has remained. Verse 22. Just as the Nur, human being, throws away old garments that are tattered and worn, so the immortal Dehi leaves one material body and simply moves on to another. This is a very popular verse in the Gita and can be interpreted in many ways. You hear people talk about this constantly. Firstly, one must fundamentally believe in reincarnation to entertain this idea in this verse specifically. It's very obvious that once the body ages, it has to let go of itself. It cannot function any further. Our mind may start withering away. We're not as fast anymore. And today, if you want to compare things, people just throw out clothes because they're out of fashion or just by wanting more clothes. I tend to ask this question that if you're always going out buying things, how do you ever find time for realization of spirituality? If you're constantly having to buy a new top because it's out of fashion this week, it takes time to look for something, then you have to purchase it, then you're going to wear it. And in fact, before that, you've been thinking about where to wear it and which event you're going to go to and wear it. At the end of the day, how can we find time for realization? Likewise, we have to understand that desires are with the body. And in the end, this body is going to be thrown into the fire or thrown into the ground. Nobody values the body once it is lifeless, and especially post-funeral. All one becomes is symbols in a gravestone or etched in memories of our loved ones. That's all that remains. Therefore, we need to understand what is this material body. It is simply energy, and this energy will always be transformed. It will always take some other form. And another way to think of this clothes example is clothes may be new, only worn once, and are thrown out. We can see this in this example, that some people die young, seemingly healthy, and they die with a cardiac arrest. So many footballers, fit and healthy, but you hear about them just dying of a cardiac arrest. It happens. Or something tragic happens to a baby, we hear about cot deaths that happen. Or children get cancer. How does Krishna marry this up with this verse that once clothes get worn out, normally when clothes are tattered and they're ripped, we throw them out. If you think deeply about it, we then have to accept the concept of the jeev, that simply the current body was unfit to carry out the karma that is remaining. Somewhere there is still some form of action that is remaining and that this body was not fit for the rest of the journey. So it has to find another body to become fit again to complete the karma that needs to be completed. Or you could turn around and say that the body became unfit now for realization. Therefore, it has to go to a new body. This is quite harsh in a way, I think, 
when we say things like this because we have to really divorce the idea that it is the body that goes and it is the mind that goes that basically that what remains is the eternal self yeah we can embrace that but to embrace the idea that this body and mind is not going to remain is quite tough for us but ajeev that does carry on in a way your mind your memories and all those things your conditioning your thoughts that you've had all those do remain and they still continue on through the jeev when the jeev understands its true self then the jeev understands that actually all these conditionings are not me the jeev is what changes everything you can see the jeev as a cosmic mind or the unmanifest mind the mind that you currently have is the manifest mind and that is the one that will understand what is brahman and therefore have realization by understanding that some people go young we may understand that basically the body is just not fit to carry out the desires that that jeev has remaining and the karma that is accumulated in that jeev what is new and what is old is always perspective for example someone wears a louis vuitton scarf for 5 years and finds that now it's old there's no need to wear it anymore and they give it to charity or they give it to the goodwill store or salvation army but someone who will go into that store into that charity shop or into the goodwill store or the salvation army store they will see that same scarf and see it as new they got a new scarf so when they go to their family and friends they will say oh look at the new scarf i've got they're not going to say oh yeah i picked it up at the goodwill store they can say look at this brand new louis vuitton scarf what is new and what is old is always according to our perspective it's very subjective in that way remember the body decays or it is burned into ashes that is the nature of the body it is subject to be destroyed but the atma is not the body because it is neither born nor does it die the atma cannot be destroyed brahman cannot be destroyed in any way it's just not possible another way to see it is that the eternal self is infused in all forms that appear and disappear therefore it never truly leaves when the forms disappear and doesn't arrive when these forms appear it simply remains as isness it pervades everywhere but doesn't necessarily get influenced by what forms are in front of us and what forms disappear it just remains the immortal day that immortal self that immortal brahman there is no death at all for that and for the deha the body there is no survival even for the fittest let's understand this the immortal dehi there is no death at all and for the deha the body there is no survival even for the fittest now we get to verse 23 that indestructible being cannot be cut by weapons or burnt by fire water cannot make it wet and the wind cannot cause it to wither what we need to understand is that this indestructible being this being that is partless yeah and formless how can it be cut with a sword being partless and formless how can it be reduced to ashes with fire being indestructible and formless how can it be eroded away with water being formless and without elements even air cannot wither it or dry it or dehydrate it as it is not made from any substance we must remember with this verse and as mentioned in the last podcast the self 
cannot negate itself. You can negate these four elements here, but you cannot negate Brahman. Brahman remains apart from that negation. Whenever you negate, you end up going to Brahman. So for something to be real, to be true, like Brahman, it has to be beyond negation. That's how you see it. And if you think about it, can awareness itself, the awareness within you, can it negate itself? Try. It's impossible. <laughs> Try and negate awareness. Because what remains? Awareness. Consciousness. As it is the self, the Atma that objectifies everything else, it cannot be objectified itself. Brahman can see everything else as objects. It can perceive others as objects. But it itself cannot be an object. It can be aware of objects. But it cannot be any object. The Atma or Brahman is a subject of every object. It is consciousness itself. So we have to understand that it's through consciousness, through Brahman, that objects are there. So to understand this further, remember, the Atma never burns, Brahman never burns, only the body. Brahman cannot drown, only the body. Brahman can never become dehydrated, only the body. The five elements are used here in a way, with the sword being the objects of the earth, followed by the obvious fire, water and air. And a gash or space isn't mentioned here, but remember the body is contained within that space. And space is not entirely empty, but actually contains atoms. There is form there, whilst the Atma or Brahman is formless. Even though we need to consider that atoms also have an aspect of form, even though we're looking at space, really there's something there. A simple example to use is the reflection of yourself in the mirror. The reflection doesn't have any separate existence. It cannot come out of the mirror and harm you. If you think so, then it's all in your mind. So the reflection is asat, while you are sat real. Likewise, these elements are asat and Brahman is real. Let us understand this more that if you suddenly came out of the mirror, your reflection, it will be scary, but also it's all in your mind. You know the reflection is not you. You know this. If your reflection started doing something you weren't doing, it will be freaky. But you know that the reflection is completely doing what you want it to do because you're doing it. Likewise, we need to understand that this Brahman is real and that everything else is a reflection of that Brahman. That's all. It seemingly has forms, but really it's that undying awareness within. And in verse 24, this Sanadana, immortal being, cannot be cut into parts, destroyed by fire, drowned by water, or dried by wind. It is nitya, everlasting, subtler than matter, always standing, and exists forever. Again, there's a bit of repetition, but it's to make us understand that you have to separate what is sat and what is asat. So the sanatana, the immortal, the eternal, this Brahman, cannot be cut into any parts because it is formless, it is partless. What is formless, how can you cut it? If something has no form at all, how can it be cut? It cannot be destroyed by fire because it has no form to be reduced to ashes. It cannot be drowned by water, nor dried by the wind. Summarizing and yet bringing firm conviction into making us understand the Purusha, the Self, Brahman. This is what this is doing, solidifying our understanding, so we do not enter delusion again. 
right now we may get it we may understand it we may know that it's obvious that we are brahman but when you're in a challenging situation will you still remember this that is what we need to understand yes you may respond to an event that is challenging but you will always have in the back of your mind that i'm not the doer brahman never does i'm just watching action happen adi shankarji actually warns us by informing us that shri krishna uses similar phrases because the intention is to ensure that the yet not realized person begins to manifest understanding and comprehension of the immortal self that this immortal being cannot be reincarnated nor does it go through samsara it is the complete end of the cycle of births and deaths therefore there is no real repetition going on here we can understand that there's no repetition in terms of the knowledge is to just reinforce what we need to understand we may have a question when it comes to brahman that well if it's partless can it be zero or empty shunya or the void actually no it can't be because it is self existent and self evident with it being self evident that means that it can't be shunya it can't be completely empty we know that what seemingly is empty can actually be dissected further we see space we cannot see atoms but through microscope you can see atoms and with the aid of the microscope you may be able to cut the atom and dissect it further but with brahman that is not possible because brahman is self evident upon itself you are the evidence of brahman it's obvious there is brahman so therefore it cannot be empty it can seem like it's empty but it's not it just simply doesn't have a form and because of this it cannot be cut nor burnt nor dried nor drowned what's used here is the word nitya which means everlasting timeless and this implies that it is beyond time therefore must be beyond space and also space or akash is in regards to the world the universe that we see anything empty we call it space it seems everlasting so when you look into the night sky you think that it's everlasting there's no end to it but actually it does have an end brahman is consciousness and consciousness does contain space we need to understand that consciousness can operate in space the atma this brahman exists forever and its reach is beyond comprehension this is what happens because of it being everlasting and timeless we struggle to comprehend it we struggle to comprehend how consciousness can still operate in space but space can never become consciousness therefore it leads to krishna's second sentence that it is everlasting subtler than matter always standing as in stable and exists forever or alternatively pervading everywhere this brahman because it is pervading everywhere it is stable and cannot move you can't move brahman because it pervades everywhere with the word sanatana one establishes the fact that it isn't brought into being by cause or by an effect of something nor by any force of nature nor element of nature it is beyond all that it is beyond ancient timeless and by stating it is subtler than matter is confirming that the atma is consciousness this is seen for ourselves when we turn our mind inwards again by negating what we see and perceive we're able to go into that process when we negate everything and eventually what will remain is our awareness 
our consciousness. Once we understand this, and we continue to turn our mind inwards, the stronger the understanding will be. Once we understand this self, then we understand very simply that Arjun does not need to be in sorrow because the self is permanent. The self is eternal. This Brahman is eternal. It's everlasting. And it is the true self. It is the true being in everyone. For himself, for the people on his side, and for the people that he will battle with and kill eventually. They are all this Brahman. Therefore, being subtle of the matter, because it is beyond our comprehension of seeing, of perception, it is beyond change itself. And while matter is subject to change, just like the body he perceives, the bodies will come and go, they will change, they will change its form when they die. But the thing is, this Brahman is beyond that change, it's subtler than matter. In fact, sometimes it says subtler than the subtle. It is beyond our comprehension. Therefore, yes, we use the mind, but it is then awareness that brings us to that understanding. In verse 25, that undying individual is invisible, inconceivable and unchangeable. Therefore, you should not despair at the passing away of the bodily form. Again, reminding us of this formless being and that we are Brahman. We are told here that it is unmanifest and invisible. The senses cannot perceive it, therefore it cannot be turned into an object. If our senses can't pick it up, it just cannot be objectified. Simply, our mind cannot do anything with it. Our mind cannot do anything with awareness, actually, because the mind is an object of awareness. This formless being is inconceivable. It is beyond the senses, and it cannot be the object of inference. It cannot be the object of inference, because this formless self cannot be objectified. It is self-evident when we truly experience our true self. And this Atma is completely unchangeable. It is not like milk that can be turned into butter. It cannot be modified in any way. We have to understand that. It's not like food that can go from raw to being cooked. It is not like that either. Therefore, this Atma doesn't go through emotions of happiness or grief. It is forever changeless. How can something Nirgun, attributeless, go through any change? Only something with attributes can change. We've established this in the previous episode. Therefore, it's impossible that Nirgun, Brahman, can change at all. Therefore, by establishing this truth to us, Krishna rightfully directs Arjun to understand that there is no need to feel despair. There's no need for him to feel sorrow. There's no need for him to be disturbed. Because he has to understand that he is not killing anyone. He is the Atma, the Self, and the Self is not the doer. Brahman is not the doer. Brahman is within the other people too. With this knowledge, with this wisdom, he should be able to understand that those are not bodies that I'm going to be killing. It is only seemingly the bodies that they have, but really they are the eternal Brahman. Brahman cannot die. Brahman cannot be killed by the sword. This is to re-emphasize to Arjun to Understand that he is Brahman, not the body. And therefore the body will kill another body in this war. But Brahman cannot kill Brahman. Simple as that. The self is beyond birth and death. Therefore Arjun should not feel the loss of those he respects and honours as it is only their material form that is facing a demise. He has to understand this. That it's only atoms that are just going to be transformed or transferred 
they won't truly die. The body will continue in another form or way, in another form or in another root. But the people that he respects and honors and loves, they will always be because they are this Brahman, the same Brahman that he is. So by the knowledge of knowing what is Sat, real, and by knowing what is a Sat, unreal, Arjun knows that only the material is the doer, but his true self that is indestructible, inconceivable, timeless, changeless, unmanifest, eternal, stable, stillness, formless, and partless, is never the doer, nor does it cause anything to occur. Therefore, grieving for matter is silly, as the body will only have a new form. It will always have a form, no matter what happens. This ends this episode, and we just went through verses 21 to verses 25. Thank you very much for listening. Remember, a new episode is uploaded every Sunday, and do follow my social media channels, specifically TikTok, because the videos I do there are sometimes not of this podcast, and the account details are in the video's description and show notes below. Please do rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts and also on Overcast. I will greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much for listening. Take care. Stay safe. Bye.